Welcome back to the Squared Sports Podcast. I'm the host of this podcast, Lane Frank. We're in episode 129. Sorry, 129 episodes through. I got action-packed episode planned for you. MLB trade deadline coming up later in the week. Kylian Mbappe gets offered $776 million a year by the Saudi League. NBA moves going on right now. Damian Lillard, obviously a lot going on there. Jalen Brown just signed the richest contract in NBA history. So much more. Stay tuned for an awesome episode 129. Let's hop into it. All right, let's start out episode 129, how we always do with the headlines in the NBA. Jalen Brown just signed the richest contract in NBA history. Five years, $304 million. Now, is Jalen Brown the greatest player in NBA history? Not by a long shot. Is he the best player in the NBA? Not by a long shot. Is he top five? Definitely not. Is he top 10? Probably not. So this is a little bit interesting to me right here. Is he even top 15? We don't know. Jalen Brown is a good player. He's not worth $304 million. The Celtics panicked because they need to keep him, but they had to pay him the richest contract in NBA history to keep him. And this is what I'm not loving about sports right now. And it's going on in the NFL too. Every time for about five years, and it's still going on, an NFL quarterback gets an extension, gets their big contract, they become the highest paid player in NFL history. It was Kirk Cousins. Well, he's not the best player in NFL history. It was Russell Wilson. It was Joe Burrow. It's going to be Joe Burrow. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. What's going to be next? And now you have an NBA. Are you going to see somebody who's not as good as John Brown get maybe even a bigger contract? We don't know. That's what I'm not loving right here about even contracts in sports. These guys don't deserve to be the highest paid players in sports history, but that's just how it goes with new contracts, new CBA, new everything going on in sports. So congratulations to Jalen Brown. That's great for him. $304 million over five years. He's going to stay in Boston. But what if that Boston tension starts to rise up again? Nobody's ever going to want to take on that Jalen Brown contract. So you're going to have to get rid of Jason Tatum. A little bit confusing right here for me. The Boston Celtics and Jalen Brown. I thought they may have been better off getting rid of him than getting that $304 million contract. Leave your thoughts on that in the comments on what you would have done if you're the Boston Celtics. Saquon Barkley goes through all that trouble in the NFL about the running back issue. Does the Zoom meeting with Austin Eckler. They had the 12 best running backs in the NFL on a Zoom meeting. And Saquon Barkley was on there. And then he ruins that whole meeting, basically, by signing this contract today for $1 million more million than that franchise tag. It's one year, $11 million deal. It is the most temporary solution you could have thought of. Even more temporary in the franchise tag because this is way less than the franchise tag. This sets back throwing position more than anything because Sigmund Berkeley is worth more than one year, $11 million. He's worth the three-year deal worth $39 million, $45 million, whatever it might be. He deserves to be a top three running back in the NFL, no matter what, pay-wise. He's not going to be that right now, so it's a little bit confusing for me because if he has a down year, he's the next Ezekiel Elliott. Does he not get another contract? That's why I'm confused by right here with Saquon Berkeley. In the MLB, we obviously an action-packed week. He, the MLB season going on right now. Obviously, you got playoff races going on. You got MLB trade deadline going on. I want to start off talking about Ellie De La Cruz, the biggest thing in the MLB right now. Hits a leadoff home run that gets robbed, so it's not a home run. Gets leadoff flyout, but great hit. And the Brewers, at least scoreboard operator, decides to troll him and said, Ellie De La Cruz almost hit a home run the first thing, but didn't. In the same exact at-bat, they saw that. It's a 456-foot home run. He's exciting. He's exactly what baseball needs, and I love it. We got a lot of MLB stuff coming up on this episode. Eli De La Cruz face the MLB right now. For years to come, you can see that. Shohei Otani, Eli De La Cruz, these guys in the face the MLB. I love Eli De La Cruz. Very exciting shortstop for years to come in that Cincinnati Reds organization. Baltimore Orioles, I think they're America's team right now. I put it out on Squared Sports Instagram. Go follow at Squared Sports Posting daily content every day over there. I said the Orioles are America's team. Yeah, Adley Rushman, maybe the best catcher in baseball. Yeah, Felix Batista, really been one of the best closers in baseball this year. You have great pitching. You have a great farm system. You're just all around solid. 
best record outside of the Lampers right now, best record in the American League. You're playing great. I love it. Baltimore Orioles, America's team right now, in my opinion. Shohei Otani, he ended his last start at Anaheim, Angels Field. Could that be his last start ever as an Angel? Because this was their last start for the trade deadline. Now, trade deadline coming up. Will we ever see him in Angels uniform again playing that stadium? I'm not so sure. Shohei Otani, got a lot come about him about the episode. His future, not just hitting and pitching, but also what teams he get beyond. We're going to talk about that later on the episode. That's about for the headlines and MLB. Let's wear soccer where we had Lionel Messi making his debut for Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami, obviously one of the lower level MLS clubs, but they're not playing an MLS team right here. Kind of a little bit of exhibition match. But Lionel Messi comes on in the second half, does great, gets a goal in the 93rd minute, extra time a little bit, gets that goal, free kick, wins the game for them. They're really the storybook starting you could have had for Lionel Messi in his MLS career. Gets that goal. Kind of remind me of that Zlatan Ibrahimovic. When he starts MLS career, he got a great goal. Lionel Messi also gets a great goal. Started out his MLS career in America. Killing Mbappe, the story of the week, though, in sports. And we're going to talk about this and take the week. I just want to give you a little preview right now. He was offered $776 million by the Saudi League. This is the same team that offered Lionel Messi contract less than this. That's how much belief they have in Mbappe. Because Mbappe can be one of the greatest of all time. If you don't know, Kylian Mbappe is obviously won the World Cup when he was 19 years old, scored a goal in that final, had a hat trick in this year's World Cup final for France, ended up losing Lionel Messi, but still, Kylian Mbappe, future of soccer across the world, gets that massive deal from Saudi Arabia. He's going to have to think about that. That's why for the of soccer. Let's end up the headlines with college football. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan head coach, will be suspended the first four games of the 2023-2024 college football season. And this is disappointing for Michigan fans. I'm obviously the biggest Michigan fan out there. This is disappointing. Because this is going to be a great season for Michigan. And this is kind of a little bit of a setback right there. It's a slap on the wrist because these four games are absolutely meaningless. There are three out-of-conference games, all non-Power 5. And then you get one game against Rutgers, who's one of the worst teams in the Big Ten this year. So I'm not too concerned about losing the games. I just think that is it going to be a lot of the practices. Assistant coaches, they might get suspended. A lot of things, a lot of turmoil can happen with this situation. Not a great look for Michigan. I obviously think it's bad for everything because obviously allegations lied to NCAA investigators about buying a recruit lunch. You shouldn't get suspended four games for that, in my opinion. That's my opinion. That's about for the headlines this week. Leave it down to the comments. Now, take the week. This week's take of the week. It's about Kylian Mbappe, obviously French striker, Paris Saint-Germain, World Cup champion, World Cup runner-up this year in 2022. So, he's playing for PSG right now, but he wants to leave PSG. A lot of people thought Real Madrid, jersey I'm wearing right now, he would have been the perfect fit for Real Madrid. And I still think that's the case. But Saudi Arabia, they have this great new league going on. They got Cristiano Ronaldo. They're getting more players. They got Angola and Conte. They got Jordan Henderson. They're getting all these good players. But they're overpaying for them by lots of amounts. And this is scary for little sports. Because Kylian Mbappe was basically just offered a one-year, $1 billion deal. They're offering the bid $330 million, which is the highest bid in soccer history, and sports history, Paris Saint-Germain. And of course, they accepted that. Now it's just up to Mbappe. Will he want to stay at PSG? Will he want to go to another club? Or will he just take his $776 million for one season? But it's deeper than that, because this league is not a strong league yet. It could be a strong league in a few years, but it's not a strong league yet. He could go to the Premier League, he could go to La Liga and be up against greatest in talent in the world. He's not going to be up against greatest talent in the world in the Saudi League. He's already not up against greatest talent in the world in League One in France, and that's kind of knocking him right now against guys like Erling Holland and Vinicius. So this is kind of his issue right now. If he wants to be the greatest of all time, you got to go up against the greatest of all time. League One is not a top five league in the world anymore as of about a month ago. And that hurts you for your Champions League chances. PSG, one of the best clubs in the world, but still, 
struggling a little bit right now with that league one. So if I was Kylian Mbappe, I'm in my prime of my career. Let's put this in basketball terms. If I was LeBron James, I'm leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers, go to Miami. Instead of going to Miami, I'll go to the Shanghai Sharks for $776 million for one season. Yes, it's a lot of money, but you're playing against horrible talent, and you haven't really shown that you're the greatest of all time yet. And Mbappe can be the greatest of all time, but he hasn't shown it yet. I want to see that rivalry against Erling Haaland. I want to see that rivalry against Vinicius, against somebody in these big leagues. I don't want to see him go over to the Saudi League. And for the Saudi League, this obviously hurts things for maybe other sports. Because you see it with the PGA right now. They're overpaying ridiculously for golfers that aren't worth the money, in my opinion. They could do it with the NBA. What if you see Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard? These guys, they would take the money. Giannis said it. Damian Lillard said it. They would go $800 million one season to go play in Saudi Arabia for basketball. And that's detrimental to the NBA. It's detrimental to baseball, NFL, whole entire sports world. So it's interesting right here with Kylian Mbappe. He's kind of got a ripple effect with his decision. I think if you want to be the greatest of all time, you don't do this move. I think you go to a different club. I think you maybe go to the Premier League. You go to Tottenham. You go to Manchester United. You go to Chelsea. Not going to go to Man City because they already have Erling Haaland. That could be a great rivalry. For Real Madrid, you could go to Real Madrid. You could play with Vinicius. You could go up against Barcelona. You could play in that great El Clasico rivalry. That's my take of the week right here. Killing Mbappe, big decisions come. Stay tuned. Now, top five. This week's top five is the top five players in the NFL going into 2023-2024 NFL season. We have a lot of things going on in the NFL right now. We have training camp. We have Madden rings releasing. We got the 99 club. I released so my 99 club would be on Squared Sports Instagram. Go follow that at Squared Sports. And obviously, you have the top 100 players in the NFL, the 100 list, coming out again this year. It's always controversial. So I'll give you, not my top 100, I'll give you my top five. My top five players in the NFL, let's hop into it. Number five, 49ers edge rusher, Nick Bosa. Now, Nick Bosa has had an interesting career. Obviously, loses in the Super Bowl his first year in the NFL, then tears his ACL the next year, then kind of has great year the next two years, and now he's on a roll. But he's going to hold out because he wants a bigger contract. He's proven he's better than his brother, Joey Bosa, who at one point was the most ferocious defensive lineman in the NFL, in my opinion. Nick Bosa, though, kind of cemented his legacy in the 49ers on path to be a Hall of Famer. Number five, Nick Bosa, disruptive in the run game. Gets so many sacks. I love it. Nick Bosa, number five. Number four, Cowboys linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to call him, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is a beast. He can prove it even more. First season in the NFL, 14 sacks. Second season in the NFL, 14 sacks. This season, He's going to get more sacks. He's going to get more tackles for loss, more tackles, and he might get a pick or two. And that's what I'm excited for about Micah Parsons. Very exciting player, if not the most exciting defense player in the NFL. Number four, Micah Parsons in that Dan Quinn defense. He's electric. I love it. Number four, Micah Parsons will be a big boost for the Cowboys this season. Number three, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's quarterback. I'm just going to spoil it. He's number one. Patrick Mahomes is number one, but he doesn't get there without Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey on his path to maybe being the greatest tight end of all time. Number three, Travis Kelsey. I think he's already passed Rob Gronkowski, in my opinion, getting up to the Tony Gonzalez level of being great NFL tight end. So Travis Kelsey, number three, best player in the NFL right now. I love it. Travis Kelsey, one of the best pass catchers we've seen in the NFL this century. Number three, Travis Kelsey. Number two, Joe Burr. This is a little bit controversial, but Joe Burrow's number two. His first year in the NFL, tears his ACL, but has a good rookie season. Second year in the NFL, takes his team to the Super Bowl. Third year in the NFL, about a minute off of making the Super Bowl yet again. Loses in the final minute if that Joseph Osai penalty doesn't happen. We don't know. Joe Burrow might be a Super Bowl champion. He lost the Super Bowl. Obviously, his second season, still searching for that first Super Bowl. I think he'll get it. But Joe Burrow really does everything. He's in the run game. 
He's not afraid to throw it on the run. He's not afraid to take a sack. He can throw it as deep as he wants. He's got great accuracy. I love it. Joe Burrow, number two. And like I said, number one, Patrick Mahomes. Not much explaining to do. Two-time MVP. Two-time Super Bowl champion. He's amazing. Patrick Mahomes amazing. That's my top five for this week. My top five players in the NFL heading into the season. Leave your top five NFL players heading into the NFL season in the comments. Now, did you know, this week's day, no, it's a great one. Did you know Paul George and Gordon Hayward are the only two players from the 2010 NBA draft class currently on NBA roster? Let me say that again. Paul George and Gordon Hayward are the only two players from the 2010 draft class currently on NBA roster. This draft wasn't too long ago. I mean, 13 years, but should still be in the league after 13 years, in my opinion. At least you should have 10 players, 15 players from that draft class then. No, they only have two players, Paul George and Gordon Hayward. Did you know that? Leave it down in the comments. That's about for Did you know this week? Now, around the bases. This week on the Around the Bases, we're going to talk about parity in baseball. Something that we're not seeing, I haven't seen in a few years in baseball, is the lower-level teams, the lower-market teams, succeeding. This was a big issue about two years ago. We saw teams like Oakland Athletics, Cincinnati Reds, selling their whole entire team for prospects. For who? Prospects. And now those prospects are succeeding. Baltimore Orioles, they got prospects. They're succeeding. Oakland Athletics, those prospects are not succeeding because they're still very young. That team is 28 wins. They're the worst team in baseball history, you could say. But for the Cincinnati Reds, you got guys like Ellie De La Cruz, Noel V. Marte. They're coming up. Great players for the Cincinnati Reds that I'm excited to see. And that's why they're playing great right now. They lost guys like Trevor Bauer a few years ago, Jesse Winker, Juan Suarez. But they're 16 right now, and they lost Luis Castillo, but they got good prospects out of that trade. Now you have Elidale Cruz, one of the best players to come in baseball for years to come, and I'm excited about it, at least talent-wise. He can do everything on the field, and I'll say that again. Fastest player in baseball, six foot six, can throw a ball as far as he wants to, as fast as he wants to. He can hit a ball as far as he wants to, and as fast as he wants to. So very exciting right there for Elidale Cruz. Smart teams that I think are special in baseball right now, and this is the thing I'm seeing, is that the teams that waited are succeeding right now. Teams that didn't panic, that didn't go for those big trades, some of those big free agents, that they waited to see how their prospects were going to do, waited to see how their current players were going to do. There's a scene right now, and that's the Reds. That's the Orioles. That's San Francisco Giants. They had a great 21 season, and then 22, they're failing, so what are they going to do? They're going to trade all those players? No. They kept on to them, and they're still doing well in 23, winning the NL West. Tempe Rays, after a rough 21-22 season, they kept all their players, and they're going great in 23 with new guys like Randy Rosarena, Shane McClanahan, and Tyler Glass now. So that's great for them right there. Arizona Diamondbacks, they really didn't do anything. They're kind of relevant, you could say. Five years. Now you got good players. Now you got Christian Walker, Seth Beer, Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno. I'm excited about this team right now. Arizona Diamondbacks, great team. And then on the West right now, Miami Marlins, they got rid of Pablo Lopez for Luis Arise, who's been the best hitter in baseball this year, you could say. They had great prospects like Jazz Chisholm, who are in the season stars now. Trevor Rogers, great pitcher. Sandy Alcantara, Cy Young last year. So these teams kind of wait and they're doing well right now. Some teams that kind of also got big free agents that are doing well right now. Rangers and the Blue Jays. But Rangers, it's not just about the free agents that they got. It's not about Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. It's about Adolis Garcia, a diamond in the rough. Josh Young, who has 20 home runs this year, diamond in the rough. So that's what I'm excited about the Rangers right now. And then Blue Jays, you obviously have guys like Boba Shett, Vladimir Guerrero. Alcano is struggling, but the team's doing well. So Blue Jays, Rangers, these teams... Way to succeed. Giants waited to succeed. And it's working right now. Teams that kind of jumped the gun, went for the big creations, went for the big trades that aren't doing well right now. The Tigers. They went after Eduardo Rodriguez and Javier Baez, really two depreciating free agents who aren't doing very well right now. 
New York Mets, they had one good season, you could say, in 22. They got guys like Mark Cannon and Starlin Marte, who they overpaid for, and now they're not doing so well. I don't want to go crazy out here in the New York Mets because it's my favorite team, and I might get a little extended with it, but still, New York Mets struggling right now. Chicago Cubs, Dancy Swanson's a good player, but hasn't really produced them wins. You had guys like Nico Horner at shortstop who could have been better than Dansby Swanson. Better option for years to come. Dansby Swanson's great. If you could trade him, get a better value out of it. You got Jock Peterson. Obviously, did not work out for you. You have Cody Bellinger, who's been great, but now you're going to trade him. Say Suzuki, been great. Might have to trade him. So, kind of thinking about that right now. Marcus Stroman, might have to trade him. Teams that waited to succeed, went after their prospects, didn't go after these big free agents, held on to their prospects. They're succeeding right now. That's why you're seeing parody in baseball. And I love it. That's about for Around the Bases this week. So if you follow Scores Sports on Instagram, at Scores Sports, you would have seen that I put out my MLB Hot Take show, where I kind of put out six MLB Hot Takes. And I wanted you to put your comments out, leave your hot takes, leave your opinion on my hot takes, to be featured in the episode. So let me run through what the hot takes were, and then we'll put some of the comments in the episode. Get ready for it. First hot take I put there was that Paul Skeens, this year's number one draft pick at LSU, he'll be called up this year and make an impact and start this year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He'll say no to the minor leagues. They won't put him in the minor leagues. They'll bring him straight up to the majors, maybe call him up in late August, early September, and he'll start for the rest of the year. This Pirates team has really bright future. O'Neill Cruz, Henry Davis, who had two home runs off Otani the other night, Nick Gonzalez, but they're not playing great right now. They could use a guy like Paul Skeens, come up there, pitch to them. He's already pretty old, 21 years old, 22. He's experienced. In college, I like it. Paul Skeens could make that jump. No minor leagues. and could be something we can see if years to come where kind of players skip minor leagues, they play in college, skip the minor leagues, and then they go straight to the majors. I'm excited to see that with Paul Skeens. That's my first hot take. Next one. The Mets are better off keeping Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer than trading them. Now, Pete Alonso, they might be better off trading him. But for Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, you're not going to get great prospects out of them. You're not going to get great value of a trade out of them. So just keep them. Eat the contract. Keep them. Let's see what they do for you. Let's see if they can bring you a playoff appearance. Not this year, but next year. Next year could be an all-or-nothing season for the Mets. Because Scherzer and Verlander will be in the last year of their contracts, probably last year of their careers. If you trust them in the playoffs, it could work. Both of them are having struggling seasons, but still, they can get it back, in my opinion. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, Mets are better off keeping them than trading them, in my opinion. Next one, Crosstown Rivals, New York Yankees. If the Yankees want to be serious, World Series contenders, fears to come. Aaron Boone must go. They must fire Aaron Boone if they want to be serious World Series contenders for your scum. You could say, oh, they need a splash. They need a Tawny. They need to get rid of Josh Donaldson. They need to get rid of Stan. They need to make Aaron Judge play more. It's not any of that. It's about Aaron Boone. Get rid of Aaron Boone. This should have happened about three years ago. We're still having this conversation. Aaron Boone needs to go out of New York. I was an Aaron Boone supporter for years. Now I'm not. Now I'm looking at back at those people who said Aaron Boone should be fired after year two, after year three. And I'm agreeing with them. I'm sick of Seeing the Yankees get swept in the playoffs. I'm not a Yankees fan. It's bad for baseball when the Yankees are bad. Yankees need to be World Series contenders again. Aaron Boone must go if they need that to happen. Next one. Julio Rodriguez is not a star in my opinion. He's not a star yet. A lot of people like to say he's a star because he was an all-star. His rookie season, that's more based off of his fielding and kind of the hype around him. There's a lot of hype around Julio Rodriguez. Could have been an MLB show cover this year. Wasn't, it was Jazz Chisholm instead, but still. Julio Rodriguez is a lot of hype around him. He's had such an underwhelming season. 245 average, meh. 17 home runs, meh. Really nothing in my opinion. Louis Rodriguez must step up his game at the plate if he wants to be better. Some of you said that, oh, his hitting could be better, but his fielding is amazing. I don't care about his fielding. I don't care if he wins a gold glove. I want to see him win a silver slugger. 
before he wins a gold glove. That's what I'm saying right there. To be a star in today's game, it's not just about fielding everybody, especially if you're in the outfield. Luis Rodriguez, not a star in my book. Next one. Teams need to consider Shohei Otani. Say they trade for Shohei Otani, say they sign Shohei Otani to do a 15-year deal. They need to consider that he shouldn't be a pitcher and a hitter the whole entire 15-year like that contract. I think Shohei Otani can only keep up the hitting and pitching for about three to four more seasons. He's getting up there in age a little bit. He'll be in his 30s in a little bit. So I don't think he can be a hitter and a pitcher. I think he should seriously consider being primarily a hitter. And I got some reactions at you about that one. Last one, and then we'll get into the comments. The Atlanta Braves are the best team in baseball. They're the best run team in baseball right now, and they're the best team in baseball. They're the best pitching staff. They have the best infield, one of the best outfields. And the Atlanta Braves, he's for me to say it as a New York Mets fan, but they're great right now. So that's my take right there. Land Braves, great team. I'm going to be here now. So now let's get into some of these comments. Some of you followers over at Square Sports, what do you just say about these hot takes? First one, this one comes in from DamnNQT. Julio Rodriguez is a star in the outfield. He's still trying to figure it out at the plate. I disagree with you. He's not a star. He might be a star in the outfield. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to figure it out at the plate. Julio Rodriguez, a guy I've really rooted for, he wants what I've rooted for, and they just disappointed me. Every step of the way. Juan Soto, terrible batting average for him, at least. I thought he should have been batting 300 this year and had OPS of maybe even 900. Julio Rodriguez, disappointing at the plate. I don't care how good you are in the outfield. Disappointing at the plate. That's all I got to say right there. So I disagree with you. Julio Rodriguez, disappointing at the plate. This next one comes in from Ollie Matheson on Instagram. He said, stats prove the Braves take. Yep, that does. As of Otani, he has too much value as a pitcher to simply just stop. He's already... Angels, DH, and is putting up extraordinary numbers as both a hitter and a pitcher. I disagree with this one. Show you how to keep up the pitching for one more year. Basically true, MLB ace. I'm not so sure about that. On a top five MLB team, is he an MLB ace? I don't know about that. If you put him on New York Yankees, he's not better than Garrett Cole. If you put him on Marlon Marlins, I don't think he's a better pitcher than Sandy Alcantara. If you put him on Blue Jays, I think he might be the best pitcher there, but still. Field other teams, I don't think he's better than Shane McClanahan or Tyler Glass now as a pitcher this season. He's giving up too many runs, too many starts. Now, this is controversial by me because he's the best hitter in baseball and he still gets a lot of strikeouts. And you saw what he can do in WBC. And that's exciting. That's what you want for baseball. But I don't think he can keep it up for many more years. So I disagree with you right there. This next one comes in from Aaron Raydad. Before this year, you would have said opposite, that Otani should just be a pitcher rather than a hitter. Otani's a great pitcher, but nobody was ever saying they should just be a pitcher instead of a hitter. Nobody. You can last way longer than will be and have a way more successful career as a hitter. Then in pitchers. So again, I disagree with these comments right here. Squared Sports followers, get some better takes out there. This last one comes in from Connor Krug too. At Squared Sports, Rays are very solid. Completely agree. There are a couple holes in the lap though. Jose Siri is a liability. Yes, he hits home runs, but he has terrible at bats too often. Brandon Lowe has not looked good so recently either. So this one I agree with. Optimistic Rays fan, but also has some doubts about it. So Rays, great team, start the season 14-0. Best start in MLB history. Randy Rosarandon coming off that World Baseball Classic high. Still doing well. You have guys like Brandon Lowe, who we mentioned, that aren't having their best season. Jose Siri gets home runs, but isn't great for them. So he's admitting that they have holes in the lineup, and they need to fix that if they want to be World Series contenders. Right now, I would not say the Rays are World Series contenders. Now, if you can get great pitching performances out of Taj Bradley, Shane McClanahan, and Tyler Glass now, you might just walk out of the season a World Series champion. There's too many other factors in there, in my opinion. That's part of the MLB Hot Take Show. We're going to do this again. MLB, NFL, college football. Get ready for it. We did it back in December with NFL. With the comments. If you want to be featured on an episode, just do that. Leave your thoughts in the comments. Now, let's do a little college football talk right here. My spotlight for the week is on 
USC quarterback, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, obviously, started his career at Oklahoma with Lincoln Rally, came into a great situation against Texas, won that Red River rivalry game, had some turmoil happen, then he left Oklahoma, went over to USC, and won the Heisman, his first season at USC. USC could have made the playoff, but they choked in the Pac-12 championship game where they had the lead, could have made the playoff, they didn't win that game. I thought if they won that game, they would have made the playoff for Ohio State. It didn't happen, so they made New Year's Six They lost to Tulane. So really disappointing end of the season for USC. Now you got a lot of pressure because Caleb Williams, he's going to be the number one NFL draft pick. Who's kidding us? Drake May's not going to be the number one pick. Nobody else is contending Caleb Williams for the number one pick. I don't think there's any other chance that any other player goes above Caleb Williams in this NFL draft. So he really doesn't have to play this season at all. He already won the Heisman. He really has nothing to prove but be a national champion. And do players even want that? Does Caleb Williams even want to be a national champion more than be an NFL quarterback? I'm not so sure about that. So for him to come back, this means something for the whole entire sport of college football. He's hungry. He wants that college football playoff experience. He wants that national championship experience. He wants to win that Heisman again. Like I said, he doesn't have much to prove. He's already done most things you can accomplish in college football. This is a big step for college football, but it could also be a major setback. Say he fails. Say that he wins seven games. Say they win eight games. Say he underperforms. Doesn't go number one. Then what happens? Say he fails in the NFL because of that. There's a lot of issues going on right here at Kelly Blooms because if he doesn't perform well, players are going to say, hey, I've had two great years of college football. I've had a great high school career. Why don't I just sit out and go to the NFL, wait until I'm eligible for the NFL, and go then? That's all I'm saying right here. Caleb Williams, big step back for college football right here. If he doesn't perform well, could be a big step if he performs great. Got a lot of pressure on him this season. So if I was Caleb Williams, I wouldn't sure what I would do. I don't know if I'd play my last season of college football, my third year. He's not going to stay for his senior year. That's a given. But would I even play my third year? Would I sit out? That's why I got to think about right here if I'm Caleb Williams. A lot of stuff going on right here for the college football world. NIL is a big factor. So college football... This can be an interesting season because you're going to get last year out realignment, then realignment takes an effect next year. We have USC, UCLA, and the Big Ten. You have SEC having Texas, Oklahoma. You have new college football video game. I'm obviously excited for that. I know a lot of you are excited about that. So Caleb Williams got a lot of pressure on this season. Will he perform? That's about for the spotlight this week. Now, at the buzzer. This week's at the buzzer. We're talking NFL quarterbacks. Did you watch NFL quarterback series on Netflix? I haven't really watched it, but it was good. You see some of those quarterbacks on this year. Justin Fields already denied to be on season two, already declined to be on season two of that show. But Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, Kirk Cousins, they were all on that show. Maybe I'll tune in. Let's talk about NFL quarterbacks. Do these NFL quarterbacks have pressure on them going into this season? Let's talk about it. Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen has accomplished what you can accomplish as an all-star in the NFL. He's an all-pro. He's a pro bowler. He can do all that stuff. Now it's time to have team success. Can he win a Super Bowl? Can he bring his team to a conference championship game and succeed? Can he bring his team to the Super Bowl, let alone win it? I say yes. That Josh Allen has another divisional loss around this year, another conference championship, wildcard loss this year. That's a disappointment, and that's going pressure into your next season in the NFL even more. So this season, Josh Allen has pressure on him. I think he wants to be a Hall of Famer. I think he wants to accomplish a lot of things in his career. He's going to have to make a Super Bowl at some point. This might be his best shot this season. So I say yes for Josh Allen. Next one, Lamar Jackson. I say no, because the Ravens are still trying to figure out their flock, figure out their pieces. They got OBJ for him, but running back position, not so down yet. I thought they should have gone after a guy like Bijan Robinson in the draft. That didn't happen. They still have J.K. Dobbins, so you can say he's elite, but he's really not at all, in my opinion. Not even a top 12 NFL running back. I don't know why he was on that NFL running back Zoom meeting. There's kind of memes about that, saying J.K. Dobbins is not an elite NFL running back. If I was the Ravens, and I was struggling a little bit midway into the season, I would pick up a guy like Dalvin Cook. Help out Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has his contract. Nothing to be worried about this season. No pressure on him. Justin Herbert. I say yes. 
Jasmine Draftcast are doing well. Two is doing well. Joe Burrow's doing well. He's already made a Super Bowl. Now it's your time, Justin Herbert. You blew a 27-0 lead in the playoffs. What are you going to do this year? The year before, you blew a lead in the fourth quarter, regular season game that could have sent you to the playoffs. You blew that. So what are you going to do? Are you going to make the playoffs? If you don't make the playoffs, that's a major setback, a major downfall for you. So you got to do something in the playoffs this year. Win a playoff game. That's what I expect to have Justin Herbert this year. I say yes, definitely has pressure on him. Russell Wilson. I say no. Want to know why? Because he has three more years of Sean Payton. He's three more years on his contract. Russell Wilson, he's three more years of Sean Payton. You got time to figure this thing out. Time to get the wheels rolling. Broncos country, you got time to let this thing ride. Don't freak out if there's not immediate success this year. Now, if you go three and 13 again, three and 14 again, four and 13 again, whatever it might be, that's not great. That's something to be worried about. But say you get eight, nine wins, 10 wins. That's a good season. That's not something to panic about. Russell Wilson, I say no, not pressure on him. Now, if you get a 14-win season, that's great. That's not going to happen, though. So, Russell Wilson, I say no. Geno Smith, I say yes. This is your last-ditch effort. Every season going forward for Geno Smith might be a last-ditch effort to make a Super Bowl, have a great NFL career when it's all said and done. Because if he doesn't perform a list here, they're going to go draft a quarterback. They're going to go after a guy like Drake May. They're going to go after J.J. McCarthy, maybe even a Caleb Williams, if it doesn't work out for Geno Smith this season. So, Geno Smith, great year last year. Got to perform this year. I say yes. Justin Fields, I say yes too. They have a good receiver for you now. They have DJ Moore. They have a good running back. So, Justin Fields, you got pressure on you. Played great at the end of the season last year. Let's see if you can keep it up. Justin Fields, outside the running game, I want to see if you can do it in the passing game. That's obviously the narrative that everyone likes to say on Instagram, on Twitter, on every app that says Justin Fields is only a running quarterback. It's not Lamar Jackson's the running quarterback anymore. It's Justin Fields. I want to see Justin Fields throw the ball. He's more of a running back than a quarterback. Let's see if Justin Fields can prove all his guys wrong. Let's see if he can be a quarterback that he was in college. Be a quarterback that he was in high school that got him ranked number one. That got him to almost win the Heisman in college. That got him the 50 touchdown seasons. I want to see that out of Justin Fields this year with the Chicago Bears. And if it doesn't work out, what do you do? Do you go last ditch effort? Do you get Ryan Day's head coach in Chicago? A lot of pressure on Justin Fields. Second to last one, Daniel Jones. I say no. You have the running back turmoil with Saquon Barkley. You have James Robinson, who's it going to be? Saquon Barkley, obviously, contract pressure, even though that kind of got figured out. Luckily, he's not going to hold out for the Giants anymore. But Daniel Jones. Made the playoffs last year. He doesn't do well this year. Give him one more year after that. And I think he'll get it going. But hopefully Daniel Jones can have a successful season. I say no pressure on him. And the last one, a guy we haven't seen play too much football in the past few years, Deshaun Watson. Played six games last year, and it wasn't great. Now you have a great squad, Cleveland Browns. Good running back, Nick Chubb. Good receivers, Mario Cooper, a few other guys. What can he do? Can Deshaun Watson return to that all-pro quarterback? Can he be that Super Bowl-winning quarterback that we once thought he could be? Hasn't been that yet. Can he be that franchise quarterback, that all-pro, yet again? Let alone the controversy, can he do that? I want to see that Deshaun Watson this season. I say yes. Maybe even the most of all these quarterbacks in the NFL, Deshaun Watson has the pressure on him. Because it's easy for them to say, Browns, let's get rid of you. Deshaun Watson, let's dump that contract after the season. That's about for At The Buzz this week. Leave your thoughts in comments. Now, best last question of the day. This is question of the is. If Jalen Brown doesn't deserve to be paid the highest paid contract in NBA history, then who does? Joel Embiid? Somebody else? Nikola Jokic? Giannis Antetokounmpo? LeBron James? Who does if it's not Jalen Brown? Because a lot of like, people like to say, even me, Jalen Brown doesn't deserve to be paid the richest contract in NBA history. Then who does? I still don't know the answer to that. Let's see if you do. That's about question day this week. That's about for Squared Sports Lane Frank, episode 129. Thank you for tuning in. Follow Squared Sports on Instagram at Squared Sports. Follow Squared Sports on Twitter at Squared Sport. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for the best sports content in the world. We'll be back here next week, episode 130. Stay tuned.